I'm Kevin, and this is Jean-Luc and Me, Episode 2. I've written my next poem in honor of my cat. I call it Ode to Spot. Felis catus, is your taxonomic nomenclature an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature? Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute to your hunting skill and natural defenses. I find myself intrigued by your subvocal oscillations, a singular development of cat communications that obviates your basic hedonistic predilection for a rhythmic stroking of your fur to demonstrate affection. A tail is quite essential for your acrobatic talents. You would not be so agile if you lacked its counterbalance. And when not being utilized to aid in locomotion, it often serves to illustrate the of your emotion. The complex levels of behavior you display connote a fairly well-developed cognitive array. And though you are not sentient and do not comprehend, I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend. Today's episode, The Naked Now. Oh, good for you! And how was it? This might be kind of a short one. It was... A competently produced 42 minutes of late 80s television and not much more there's not a whole lot to complain about there's not a whole lot to praise uh, I guess there are a few things worth talking about though it is a Star Trek 66 rehash on purpose and I don't know why once again I guess it was really important to the showrunners that they show the proper deference or respect to the original series. Maybe they thought it would be important to the fans, but it ends up being counterproductive. The first episode had the scene with McCoy for no reason, and now this is essentially the exact same episode as uh, The Naked Time. It is also way too early to be showing our main crew members acting out of character because we don't know what their characters are. They've barely told us anything about these people. We've never seen them actually be themselves. This is the second episode, and in the first episode, they weren't even really people. So, you know, Beverly says, Oh, Jordy, that doesn't sound like you. How are we supposed to know? We've never we've never seen Jordy be Jordy before, ever. And while we're on Jordy, I absolutely hate that the first angle he has, that the first little story he has, is about his blindness. Oh, I'm blind, I'm blind. We already know that. That's ultimately not that important to the character. It is the easy route and it is ultimately a fruitless route to go with Jordy. but other than just describing his visor in the pilot the first thing he does is get space virus drunk and complain about not being able to see normal which was disappointing and a wasted opportunity and just just one more thing, if I can Columbo for a second. What was with Wesley's Jean-Luc voice machine that he'd made? That was uh, sad and kind of uh, creepy, which which would have been 
great if they wanted to use that as part of a thing about like, oh, he's missing a father figure. He sees Jean-Luc as a potential father figure and he's made this voice because Jean-Luc doesn't know how to interact with kids and so he's had to create this fake Jean-Luc. That could have been good. They didn't go that way. It was mostly not mentioned or dealt with by any of the other characters at all. Jordy's the only person that even knows it exists and granted he was on the Tchaikovsky virus. He was on the naked time virus but he thought it was awesome. Not a single shred of like yeesh in his reaction. It was an hour of TV. It hung together as a story. There were no major gaps in logic, but it was nothing special. It wasn't even anything good. But it wasn't anything particularly bad either. If we're judging on the Earl Grey scale, I guess slightly below room temperature? Say something nice! There was something of note in this episode, however, and that was that we got a little bit more of Tasha Yar's backstory. And so far, she is, by leaps and bounds, the most interesting character on that entire show. I want to know why she was abandoned at five. I want to know where she was that had the roaming rape gangs. Jesus fuck, by the way, roaming rape gangs. That's intense as fuck. That ties into what we heard about in the pilot, which was one of the only bits of character background in that entire double-length episode. And now we've gotten more of that. Once again, one of the only bits of character background in this episode. And they're actually building her up as someone who has had a, a journey, a life worth mentioning, worth finding out about, something that might have shaped her to be who she is and how she is. Usually, that is really, really, really important to building any character on a TV show especially, and she's the only one. But it is something. Hopefully, she sticks around throughout the entire seven years and isn't eaten by black goo or something crazy that surely will never happen completely making all of this useless. Uh, this is supposed to be the positive section, isn't it? Fuck. Somebody needs to get on top of the situation and fix it! Oh boy. I guess that the easy fix would be to put this a lot later in the season order. It would provide the necessary emotional and relationship groundwork, which you could then subvert. It would give a little bit more for the writers to latch onto as far as the specifics of the way each character reacts to the Naked Time virus, and it would give the actors more time to grow into their roles, and they would be able to give a more subtle, more meaningful performance uh, of their character 
under the influence of the Naked Time virus. Other than that, it doesn't have a lot of innate structural problems or conceptual problems. If it were later in the season, I probably wouldn't even mind the fact that it is a Star Trek 66 rehash. This, having not been edited, I'm still pretty sure that this is going to be a very short episode. I was kind of hoping that the episodes would be either worse or better than this, so that there would be more to talk about, but this was fine. It was barely there. It was... it was fine. See you next time. 